The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by BlueChew.com. Get the chewables that give you the confidence you need and the performance you both want when it's time to have fun. BlueChew.com. Use code Vegas for $20 off your first order. Now, Waddle and Sylvie. Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears. ESPN Chicago. And this is Waddle and Sylvie. Live from the old National Bank Studio. WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. A good karma brand's radio station. Boog's, Boog's having some fun right now. It's about time, right? He yeah. came over in 2021, yeah. and that was uh, during the sell-off. He hasn't had a pennant race to call on Marquee Sports Network. He had Joe Girardi in the booth with him yesterday. He did. And uh, you heard the Bellinger home run, the Talkman home run. and Doesn't another... it feel like Bellinger's hit like 40 this year? He's only his 16th. I know he was out for a little bit, but it feels like 16 he's got, or 17. Was, was that it? his 17th? 17. Yeah, that was his 17th. Okay, still. I, it feels like he's hit 40 this year. Well, and remember, he was out for a bit. I what, know. what did he miss? Three or four weeks? He was out for, so he missed a month. Um, but yes, I mean, in, in this last month or five week span, he's been. It's been unbelievable. He's been, what is he hitting? 325 right now? His on base percentage probably at about 390. That, those are my guesses. 325 batting average, 390 on base percentage. And playing a gold glove, center field, and a sparkling first base. It's been fabulous. W- w- you know, when he's had to play first base. And now they basically just play him in center field. And now you've got Candelario, who you've added at first base because Madrigal's done a good enough job at third base. And now with Saya being benched, basically, you have Talkman, who continues, everyone's been calling it the summer of Talkman, that he is playing right field and he's doing things that you thought Saya would be doing in a pennant race. But it's just coming from the local kid who's had himself a great stretch here over the last month. Yeah, it's one of those years where guys, when they get the opportunity, they are delivering. And look, we question a lot of what David Ross was doing strategically earlier in the year. I thought Boog did a really good job explaining, you know, at least Rossi's perspective for where they're hitting Bellinger. But to to make the move to make Seiya, who's one of your highest paid players, basically a platoon guy, in right field, uh, you know, there's a that's a, a professional baseball guy saying, "Look, I don't care about egos, I don't care about paychecks, I'm caring about winning." Right, and right now, you, you have to. You'll you'll bat against lefties, but when righties are on the mound, we're going to play Talkman or somebody else. Yeah, you have to. You just have to. The Brewers just beat 
the Rockies, and that that's that was my fear. Like you won't in these extra innings when you have the runner on second, you only get one run, especially against better teams. And the Rockies are a bad team. You just find ways to lose. And when you you're hoping on the Rockies, uh, the Brewers did score two in the bottom of the tenth inning, and the Brewers won uh, seven to six. So the Cubs uh, need to reload here and beat the Mets here in the finale against uh, New York tonight. But yeah, I mean you're you're getting great stuff. You got Hendricks on the mound tonight in New York, and he's got to bounce back. Um, uh, the last time uh, was not a good start for him. He started out okay, and then all those runs against the Braves in that one inning. How about Tyon's performance last night? Gives up the two wrong uh, two run dinger to uh, Pete Alonso, who's you know obviously in two games. What is it? Three home runs. He's hit, but uh, after that, he settled in. I think he retired. Like what was it? Thirteen or fourteen in a row, or sixteen? At least, yeah, like I think it was it more was like sixteen. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, so like a, a couple of things on that. Remember. You Darvish, when he first came over, I think was bad for the like at least a year. There are many guys who come over and aren't good in their first year after signing with the Cubs. I don't think Moises Alou was good in his first year with the Cubs. Um, he's found a way after being so bad. His ERA is he was so bad early that even though he's been so good lately, his ERA is still above five. Yeah, for the year, but for the last month. About five or six starts, Tyon's been great. Yeah, he's been fantastic. He's been, and, the, and they've needed it because because other guys have not been so good. Yes, and then Talkman, as we've talked about, um, the stats that I saw posted yesterday on Twitter um, since the All Star break, he's hit three sixty three, four home runs, twenty driven in. Yeah. Um, and even the outs are like, it's like Madrigal now, too. I give him credit. Even when he's making outs, he's hitting the ball hard. Yeah, an on-base percentage of four twenty-five since the All-Star break. And then again, he saved the game. He won a game with a walk-off catch, which is almost unheard of. Um, so he's finding ways to win games with his bat. I mean, those are two games right there since the All-Star break. That Talkman's won by himself. Did you think when the season began you were going to describe ways in which Mike Talkman was winning games for you? No, he's a 32-year-old journeyman. Like I thought, like what what are you what are you using him? Like he's just a journeyman fourth outfielder. Not he's even got maybe 215 at bats so far this year. He's had one other season in 19 when he was with the Yankees. He had 260 at bats. That's the most at bats he's ever had in a season. And he's delivered, man. I mean, he's when they need him, he has been there. Clutch. He's been one of your your, your most clutch players. Yeah. So this season, again, like in the, I, I expected them again. Like I've always said, I continue to say it. I expected them to win between eighty and eighty four, and I thought they could have a winning record this year. I thought this could be a team that would be fun. They let me down when they fell seven or eight games back. I always remember my argument with Yurko when Yurko said, what are you expecting from this team when they were seven and eight back? I said, Yurko, not this. Like, I expected them to be better. This isn't acceptable that they're this bad. I didn't expect Saya to be underachieving like this. I expected more from Ian Happ when he was struggling and more from Nico when he was struggling. Nico is stealing bases, and he's really good in the field. But I expected him to hit for a little bit better average and, and such. Um, and I expected a better one-loss record. But now they have turned things around and they have started to win games. But in the last three weeks, they've 
far exceeded anything. I was on the selling side of things. I will wear that happily, happily wear it. And I'm happily. It would be worse if you were an advocate of buying and then they went on this huge losing streak. You'd feel much worse about Uh, that. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Like, I'd always rather be wrong when I'm on the on the bad side of things. I'd always want my teams to prove me wrong when I doubt them. I'm a fan. I'm a fan first. And when, when I'm tuning into games on August 9th and I'm excited to tune them in right when I get home because it's must-see TV and I want to see what they do, that's fantastic. Now, again, three years down the road, when I expect them to be competing for a World Series – being four or five over won't be good enough. We we were went through that in seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen where it wasn't good enough, and we would get mad as Cubs fans when they they didn't achieve bigger and and advance farther. But for a team like this that didn't have high expectations, we're in this we're in this mode now where we're just thrilled to be back in a pennant race and seeing where this fun team is going to get to. You've got some clutch play, too, from guys like Jan Gomes. You know, I mean, like, everybody's contributing. This is, you know, this has been an exciting several-week stretch for Cub fans, that's for sure. Jan Gomes, like you said, and and when you hold it up against what Contreras has done with St. Louis and the price that you had to pay with Contreras. So you get Gomes, he's a better deal, and he's come through, and he's really come through with a bat, too. And then, so Jed's made a lot of good decisions. Jed signed Talkman for under a million dollars. Right. Jed signed Bellinger on a prove-it deal. Talkman started the season in AAA, didn't he? Or he was in the minor leagues? Sure. I mean, and again, the Madrigal trade isn't looking so bad now, is no, it? No. Like, there are a lot of moves that Jed, again, he he's not perfect. And I've always said... He's a sous chef. I still don't know if he's going to be that award-winning chef like Theo, but I always stood up for him and said, I don't think he's as bad as a lot of people were ripping him also a month ago. Like, I was wrong about selling, but I don't think I was wrong where people were ripping Jed and blaming Jed for them being seven or eight under. I think there were a lot of things that Jed's done right. Jed didn't give Javi what he wanted. Jed did get, didn't give Contreras what he wanted. Jed didn't give Rizzo what he wanted. Jed didn't give KB what he wanted. Jed's been on the right side for a lot of these things. Jed uh, signed Stroman. Seiya hasn't turned out the way he turned out. Again, is that Jed's fault? I think all of Major League Baseball wanted Seiya Suzuki. Yeah. The, is that a player underachieving or is that a bad sign? That's a player underachieving. By the way, you mentioned KB. Do you know how many home runs he's had since he left the Chicago Cubs? So that would be half the season with the Giants and then two seasons with Colorado. I do know because you told me it's shocking. It is shocking. When you look at Christopher Morrell in the last two years as a Cub, who is an imperfect product, sure, has 33 home runs as a Cub. KB in two and a half seasons away from the Chicago Cubs, has 20 home runs. 20. He had seven with San Francisco in 2021 when they moved him. Last year in 42 games, he had five dingers. And this year in 65 games, he's had eight dingers. So for a total of 20 home runs since the Cubs moved him. 
20 home runs in the last two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, Carmen, and I were texting yesterday about some baseball stuff, and Schwarber came up. In the last two years, and again, I know he's not hitting for average this year. He's having one of those down average-wise. He keeps slugging, though. Do you know in the last two years how many Schwarber has? Let's go with 70. 76. Not Chris not Bryant. Chris Bryant has 20 home runs in the last two and a half years. Yeah. Kyle Schwarber has 76 home runs in the last two years. And remember, the White Sox, remember how badly Carmen wanted them to sign Schwarber? Right. They don't have any lefty power. He wanted them because he wanted them to, they needed a lefty uh, home run power, and the Sox didn't want to sign him. Carmen then did the work, I think, where, so I said to Carmen, I go, how many do all the Sox uh, corner outfielders have, period, over the last two years? So Carmen did the work. I don't know if he gave it on his show. All the players who have played the corner outfield positions over the last two years, not one player who has played the corner all outfield. All of them. All of them. Aloy, Benintendi, um, uh, what's his name? The, uh, Gavin uh, Sheets. Gavin Sheets. Um, this, this goes to Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn played right field last year. Every corner outfielder over the last two years, he has tallied all of their home runs. They have 51 home runs in the last two years. And that's a collaborative effort. Collaborative effort. And that's left field and right field. And by the way, Schwarber, who's hitting 183 this year, has an on-base percentage of 324. 324. Which because is... he takes 83 walks. Yeah. Or, excuse me, uh, yes, 83 walks this year. So he is, he's, he's, his batting average is down once again this year. What's his OPS? His OPS is 757. Which still isn't great. Um, but considering you're hitting for one, him. yeah. But he's got 30 dongs and 72 driven in, and a 325 on base percentage yeah, yeah. in a down season. Yeah, down. But uh, that that's that's pretty incredible. Then there's Ozzy. I wanted to play you this. Uh, Jesse gave me a heads up, and Jesse's at uh, the Sox game today for the first time since uh, getting all this news today. So we're going to check in with Jesse at 5:30. Jesse gave me a heads up on this. This is the Sox Talk podcast. With um, Ozzy and Chuck Garfine, mm-hmm. NBC Sports Chicago. And obviously with the Sox and, and they're in turmoil with, uh, with that article that came out from Jesse, with all the issues that we're finding out that they have with the problems inside that clubhouse, with the TA fight and everything like that, with Pedro Grifol admitting that he didn't even institute his rules, which I don't, I don't get. Again, it's this is a much, much bigger picture from Pedro Grifol. Um, these, but these front office people are enabled. The front office people enable then Pedro Grifol. And when you're a new manager and you're trying to set your standards, you do it from the start. It's the only time to set the culture from the very beginning. This isn't a a soft opening. You know what I mean? You yeah. have got to set the rules from day one. You can always one. You know, relax things. You can't go back and, and make things more strict. So Ozzy Guillen uh, told this story on the Sox Talk podcast where um, he, is, he was not happy with Pedro Grafal, and he thought he got big-timed by him back in, I think, spring training. So, like, it's, it's tough to follow all the details, you know, 
with Ozzy, but um, I thought this was very interesting. In the wake of everything going on, Ozzy opening up to Chuck Garfine on the Sox Talk podcast. I said, Pedro, you know what? Ah, hey, man, you got to get tough with the play. You got to make the White Sox fan love you. I do. I pretend, you know, third base coaches right there. You were sitting I somewhere. saw you walk. Ta- and I, I like, talking. Pedro, man, you got to. And Pedro bigly the crap out of me. I, nobody know that. The only people know about this is you. Mm-hmm. Even my wife, my kids. Yeah. Pedro, go, wow, you know, just help me whatever you can. Whatever. I, I, I'm into you. By the way, that's why I say I'm not upset because I'm not the manager. I try to help Pedro to do that. No, blah, blah, blah. The conversation I got from him, it made me a little, not angry, like black, uh, bad flavor in my mouth. Mm-hmm. I, I dry all the way through here. Maybe the, maybe the traffic got me. The first thing I told you was, like, well, you know what? Pedro Grifol. You were not happy about it. No, I told you. Yeah, you were because you you first thing because you went out of your so way upset. to give information. Like advice, how people here? Advice. No, first of all, no advice how to managing. No advice how to take care of the players. Right, right, that's right. Not, yeah, my not co- but, but take care of the, the media and the yes. fans in Chicago. Yes. You should do this. You, you were giving him some inside information to about what it's like to be a manager for the White Sox. It, yes. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think it big me, but I not got the. Res- you didn't get the respect. You didn't feel like I respond. Whatever it is, I might be wrong. I hope no. If I you, know. I would say this: if you came to me, I was, and you said that to me, I would appreciate, and I would, I'd be wanting to talk to you. In fact, I want to like develop a relationship with you. To be honest with you, you know, Austin, managing minor league with the Houston Astros, say that. Did Jerry ever ask you to talk to Pedro and be advised on Pedro and stuff? How not to handle players, no, know how to make the lineup, yeah. know how to do that, how to be be around the media and the media now they soft, yeah. they are a well, media. I say soft compared to what it, what was, it was in the yes, past. Yes, yes, yes. And I say no. I say oh, they should. I say then I say hey, that happened. Couple of days ago, the first guy I see was you, Ron Day. I was off. I like. I was so upset. I was. I'm not upset. I was very, very upset. But the response. Yeah. I like. Wait a minute. I tried to help you. And you gonna bigly me? I grew up in this city. Mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna die in this city. You guys should talk again. So there, there's the story that he told Chuck, that this He's happened. He's laying down on Chuck's couch, getting some things off his chest, it sounded like, on their podcast. So he, he tried to stress that he had no managerial advice. He did not have any uh, tips with the lineup card, did not have any tips about players themselves. This was no ill will over him not getting the managerial job. He simply wanted to say, as a former player in town, as a former manager, won the World Series. Here's how you deal with the Chicago fan. Here's how you deal with the Chicago media. I've got some good inside information. And he felt like there was a disrespect or a lack of listening from Pedro in spring training. I would think if you're doing a job for the first time that you would be, you, you would be open to anybody's conversation. Like in anybody's advice or anybody just to, to have a talk with somebody who's sat in that chair. 
previously. I would think that that, that wouldn't be something that Pedro Grafal would, would bristle at or would would turn away. I you, think that'd you be take, a great opportunity. You take as much advice from everyone as you can get, and then you pick use and choose. You, you pick and choose yeah. what you want to use. Sure. Like, like, like listen, Chicago's out, right? different. Chicago's different than other cities, so I don't think that there would be any harm for a new manager to actually sit down and have a twenty-minute conversation with Ozzy, somebody who has has played that role. Like he and Ozzy's right. Like, and and this is what we've stressed too. This beat right now, oh, it's, easy. Yeah, the, it, when the whole city, with the, every sport, the whole city. Like this, this is a big market, but it's not a hard market. No. It, no, I mean it, it, we've it's we've easy. we've had a good laugh about it in the past, but like we want to love our teams, we want to give them second and third chances. So, like you're going to as an athlete, you're going to have a rougher ride in Boston and Philly and New York than you do here in Chicago. The way I yeah, in, in two thousand five, how big that beat was. Yeah, all the people covering that team, all the people around Ozzy, all those things. It's different than it was then. This Bears team, love them. They course through my veins. They've they've won one Super Bowl, nineteen eighty five. Like and, and there's still, been how many now? Fifty seven. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean uh, fifty uh, a bunch. They've been to they've been to and they've been to two of them. They've won one of them. They're the Charter franchise. Yeah, I mean we and, and we, we love, love our team and we, we love our we team. We want to hump them. Yeah, just we're in their building out, right yeah. now. Just it's. It's an e- like this town, and when we do win, think about how the love will flow. Like That's this is why, how like, the love flows when you lose. This is the, it's why I kind of bristle at times when when people like Rick talked about yesterday. Rick Hahn talked about. You know, I, th- that's just the world of professional sports. No, 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 no. That's the world when you're talking about success or you know failure. It, it's it's business. Like it, it, the same goes. You know, runs through all walks of life. It's not just an impatient group of fans that forces owners to make rash decisions every couple of years. No, when you have a track record of not getting to where you set out to get to, then change occurs more times than not. Whether you're running convenience stores, you're running a medical supply company, or you're the general manager of a Major League Baseball team. Such a great point by you. Like it, 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 It's not it's, the world it's of It's not sport. the world of sports. It's the world of business. And by the way, in this environment... The bar that you have to leap over to maintain your status of, of being employed in these these really big jobs, it, the bar's really low, especially with with Jerry's teams. With Jerry's teams, I mean, we've done we've gone at through least that exercise. for the two guys who run the front office. Yeah, everything else, it's like the the players and the coaches get fired and traded, but those two guys who run his teams don't. Correct. Um, all right, so. There's that from Ozzy. I thought that was very interesting. NBC Chicago, the Sox Talk podcast with Chuck Garfine and Ozzy Gian. If you want to react, 312-332-3776. Earlier today, we had a chance to talk with Andrew Siciliano. 
He, uh, formerly of the Red Zone for all those years, and the NFL Network. He was broadcasting live with Brian Baldinger here today. He's been on a tour of all the different training camps. Yesterday, he was at Lions Camp. The day before that, he was at Bengals Camp. We talked to him about the Bears. We talked to him about Justin Fields. We talked to him about some of the great things he's seen over his tour of the training camps. We'll talk to Siciliano coming up next, and we'll also tell you about Football Fest. Waddle and Sylvie, from our State Street studio to your hellish commute home. We're there with you, making it bearable. Never mind. Back to Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Chicago. All right, don't forget, Football Fest is coming. Today's the 9th. So uh, do the math for me. Is that uh, two weeks from Sunday? Two August weeks. 27th. Yes. So we're just over two weeks away. It is August 27th. It is at Hard Rock Casino, Northern Indiana. And don't forget all of our uh, Bears coverage from training camp is brought to you by our great friends and partners at Hard Rock Casino, Northern Indiana. That place is awesome, by the way. Love those people. That venue that they have there at Hard Rock Casino, Northern Indiana, is outstanding. It's the second time that we're having football fast, but we're taking it to another level because we've never had a guest list quite like this. It's 11 to 3, Sunday, August 27th. Not only will you get all your friends from the Waddle and Sylvie show, you'll get everyone from ESPN 1000. Barstool Big Cat is making his triumphant return back to Football Fest. He is now a Chicago resident once again. You'll get to see Barstool Big Cat. You'll also get to see Adam Schefter. You'll get to see Field Yates. Field Yates, one of the nicest guys around. Mm -hmm. Not that Shefty and Big Cat are not. But Field Yates is, he's got a great head of hair, he's got great football information, and he's possibly one of the nicest men around. He's got a great disposition. Yes, that's a good way to describe it. Yes. How would you describe a Jeff Joniak? Uh, quietly and sneakily entertaining as hell. Okay, <laughs> right. You just gotta, you gotta break glass. You, you gotta, gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta let him loose. This is his first inaugural ESPN 1000 uh, signature event. So we want you to greet Joniak at Football Fest. Give him a hug. We need all of our regulars and people who have listened to the station, and maybe you're not a regular to events, to really give Joniak and Thayer a warm ESPN 1000 welcome. So make sure you're there and you buy your tickets. Jason McKee will be there. He's a former Bear and, of course, now a sideline reporter. All your favorites will be there. Peggy and Dion will be broadcasting live. Here's how you buy your tickets. Write this down. HardRockCasinoNorthernIndiana.com. Easy to remember. HardRockCasinoNorthernIndiana.com or through Ticketmaster. And uh, Danny has challenged me right now before 6 um, that we need to sell X amount of tickets. If we sell, uh, let's say the next 25 people to buy tickets right now before the, our show ends, next 25 people to buy tickets for only $10 per ticket. It's not a lot. Uh, you will get a meet and greet and a picture with Tom Waddle. 
Okay? Wait a second. You get a meet and greet. What does that mean? And a, like, you get to meet Waddle, and you get to take a picture with Waddle at Football Fest. Well, of course. I'll do that for everybody. Well, no, shh. You but you got to go to Football Fest to do it. You get a meet and greet with Tom Waddle. You get a one-on-one meet and greet with Tom Waddle and a picture for the first 25 people right now to buy their tickets. HardRockCasinoNorthernIndiana.com and Ticketmaster. Why don't you throw in a back rub to the first 10 people that... Are you giving out back rubs? No, you. I said, I'm not why don't gi- you, I'm I not said, why don't you out- throw no. in a back rub for I, the first 10? I will not give out a back rub, no. No? I will not. What if I bring... I don't... If we provide a Theragun, if someone brings a Theragun, I will do a Theragun You're treatment weird. on someone. You're weird. Well, that's not as weird as me giving out with my small hands, which aren't strong, uh, a massage to somebody. I think you giving somebody a regular massage is less weird than you bringing a Theragun and giving them someone a Theragun will have to bring massage. It. Why? I just think that's weird. Why is that weird? I don't know. Someone's got to hold the Theragun to provide. You can't give yourself your own back I have rub. a Theragun. But you can't give yourself a back rub. I know, but I'm You've saying have I, someone... I can provide the Theragun for you to give people You a bring massage. the Theragun, I will, I will have the a massage. Stage, yes. So... For the first 25 tickets we sell, you'll get a meet and greet with Tom Waddle in a picture. And then the next 25 tickets we sell, I will provide a Theragun massage for you. How about that? That's crazy. Get going. Buy your tickets. Hard Rock Casino, northernindiana.com. I may buy an extra ticket now just to get the uh, Theragun massage. All right. We saw uh, Andrew Siciliano uh, broadcast live for NFL Network earlier. We taped this because he had to catch a flight. He's been all Which, over. Which, by the way, I was just reading his tweet. Uh, he's stuck on the tarmac because oh, they- the plane can't disengage with the... The, They're the, stuck. The uh, this the the whatever that, that pushes you out. He's back at O'Hare. Yeah, he's stuck at O'Hare. Um, and uh, so we had a conversation with him. He once was on the Bears beat when he worked for WMAQ Radio. We were running the city together, and uh, of course, we welcomed him back to Hallis Hall. It's good to be back. It's great to see you both. I miss you both. My Bears experience was good. Full disclosure, I didn't get a chance really to watch practice. As the host of the show, I have to do all the navigating. I have to do all the like the point guard ball distribution stuff. So I was locked in my chair. But Brian Baldinger and Stacey Dales were able to get away, see some of practice. And, uh, I mean, they liked what they saw. Baldy pointed out. And, and Wani was, by the way, came by to chat for a little bit as well. Wani was out Wani! there? Wani! I didn't I don't know if he Wani. went out to practice, but I know he was in the building today. And he stopped by. And uh, Baldy and Wani both complimented Matt Eberflus on the pace of his practice. Loved oh. the tempo, loved the offensive pace. Why are you making noises? Well, the Wani noise. I mean, oh, so, oh, I get so it. I'm sorry. Andrew, oh. Oh, Andrew yeah. and I were both on the Bears beat when Wani was here. So was there any reminiscing of when you covered Wanstead when you were just a young reporter out of Syracuse. We, we've crossed that bridge before. I've seen him in L.A. plenty because he's out there for Fox. So we, we've already had that that conversation. And and I told someone earlier, when Wani was here, and I got here as a 21, 21, 21-year-old reporter, wow. I wasn't much more than a human mic stand my first year or two. <laughs> I stood there. 
um, at the old Hallis Hall the first year. Um, when they used to do interviews oh, yeah. outside, right? I remember Brian Cox cursing people out, sitting outside <laughs> on that was a little fountain or whatever oh, yeah. it was. Yeah, that bench our right facilities were the worst yeah. in the NFL at that time. Yeah, so um, those were the days. Wani, a very handsome, a handsome guy even today. Absolutely, like, I think Wani's seventy years old. He looks great. That's he looks amazing. like looks like he could take a few snaps himself. Absolutely, these days. yeah. Um, he, he's got the silver hair yeah. and very stately. Yes, very yes. stately. <laughs> Uh, we we just didn't win enough games for Wani. No, so. what, what, all, but all the pieces were in place, uh, or so we said. What what has been? So you've been all over. What has been your biggest highlight on your trip across the NFL to the different camps? And like, it's been a who's who. Every time I open up Twitter, you're talking to another like big name guest, someone who's a superstar in this league. What has been? like the most fun thing you've done on your tour? I mean, I would say that when you could interview Barry Sanders, which I've been fortunate to do a couple of times, and we did that yesterday at the Lions and the Giants joint practice, that was pretty cool. Any, anytime you have two teams, like, actually competing against each other, as opposed to just going through your typical, you know, camp stuff, that was fun. Jamar Chase saying that he told Joe Burrow, don't play week one, that was interesting. Um, standing next to Orlando Brown in Cincinnati and looking like a seven-year-old child, um, how I debase myself. That one's always fun. Um, and then two more things quickly. Travis Kelsey, when I asked him, has Taylor Swift reached out since that whole thing you said to your brother on the podcast about trying to get her the friendship bracelet and the phone number, and then she didn't want it and all that, you, you swung and missed. Has she reached out since then? Travis Kelsey said no comment, and then looked at the camera and went, and that is the end of the interview. Um, so so that was fun. Um, but honestly, uh, for those, you know this, uh, I'm a huge Browns fan. Grew up as a Browns fan as a kid. Um, getting to go to Joe Thomas's enshrinement on Saturday, um, going late into the night at his party Saturday evening, uh, that for me as a fan was cool. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Canton, but the, yeah. the little kid I think comes out in all of us at Canton. Um, and Joe, I'm, I'm fortunate enough now to call a friend. He's awesome. I mean, him and his wife, Annie, are just like some of the greatest people ever. He showed up at his party with his gold jacket, a trucker hat, <laughs> shorts, and flip-flops. And that is Joe, Joe Thomas. Thomas style. And that 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 was awesome. He's, he's young. And we're talking to Andrew Siciliano from the NFL Network. Siciliano is young, but he's always had the worst memory the three of us stood on the field together oh, in Canton in a yes. sweltering day for Brian Urlacher's induction. That. Yep. Totally forgot. It that. obviously meant more to Sylvie than it did yes. to you. I, that was the day, speaking of making myself look small, I stood next to David Baker and interviewed him. Yes, big the former seven-foot head, literally, <laughs> of, the, uh, of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I stood up on a wooden box to interview him, and that went viral as well. His head is the – you mentioned you know, he's the head of the – or the, the Hall of Fame. He was. The head. He's got the largest head of any human I've it's ever like stood next head. to. It is. And, and that's not – It's not real. He knows it. it he can't jokes be real. about it. No, it's huge. You couldn't fit him with a helmet, an NFL helmet. There's no chance. No. You'd have to His son right. wore one for the Falcons. Right. Sam. Yeah. That's crazy. But I don't know. By the way, go back to the uh, to the uh, Lions experience. Yeah. Uh, what's the vibe coming out of that camp? Oh, it's it's good. Yeah. And, and by the way, their defense uh, probably got the better of Daniel Jones yesterday. I mean, Daniel came over to the set. I'm um, not on air, but admit it was not their best day yesterday at all. Uh, interestingly enough, when those two teams played last year, it was the Giants' worst offensive performance. Uh, the only time, I mean, Daniel Jones 
threw only five picks last year. Two of them were against the Lions. They shut down Saquon. I know the Lions' defense statistically wasn't that good, but they've added some good pieces in yeah. the secondary. Um, not only Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Emmanuel Mosley hasn't been out there yet, but um, the rookie slot branch. Um, he's running with the ones. That defense is going to be better. I don't know if they're going to Arrowhead and win Week One better, right? Um, but I, I think they're real. You think they're the best team in the in the division? I'm not ready to count Minnesota out because I think you're going to have that first year bounce from Brian Flores just blitzing. Yeah, you know that defense will be def- definitely be better. With it'll him in it'll charge. be better. Is it? Good enough. I don't know. They, I mean, you've seen what Miami does. You yeah. saw what Miami did with him. Right. I mean, they're going to be fun to watch at least. But yeah. yes, I do think Detroit. Brad Holmes, give him credit. Brad Holmes um, has built a very good roster. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good team with a lot of juice. I mean, and and we had some fun at Dan Campbell's expense early in the year when they were on um, hard knocks, and it, it just. It sounded kind of hollow, some of the stuff, but then you saw how they gelled, and, and I think if you're a football fan, you've got a lot of respect for Yeah, Tampa. I think people thought, and count me on that list as well, that remember when he was the interim head coach of the Dolphins years ago, yes. right? And uh, he came across as a bit of a meathead. Right? Yes. Right? He's not. I there's mean, he's more. got a lot of that in him. But there's more to <laughs> yeah. him than that. There is far more to him than that, and his players truly do love him. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking to Andrew Siciliano from the NFL Network. It's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. All right. From a scale of Mike Lombardi to Dan Orlovsky. Okay. Where do you feel about Justin Fields? I, you're tilting your head like you oh, don't know what I, I don't. I don't know what Lombo thinks okay. of him. Does so not like Lombardi him? thinks he's yeah. going to be one of the biggest busts okay. ever and that Chicago fans overlove him. And then Orlovsky thinks he's going to be in the MVP conversation. Um. How do you feel about Justin Fields this year? I, I don't think he's going to be a bust, and I do think he's going to take a huge step forward. We just had Khalil Herbert on the show, and uh, you know, I said obviously everything so much about you know getting DJ Moore, developing the passing game, Justin Year Three, his timing, his anticipation, all that. But you guys are still a run first team, right? I mean, this is still the identity of this football team. And he smiled and he said, "Yes." Um, you know they have three backs in the backfield now. Three really good backs, not to take away from David Montgomery, but Foreman is a is a like a moving snowplow, right? Roshan Johnson, I, I really like. Um, they beef up the offensive line again, especially that right side. Uh, you're going to run the football. Uh, is Justin Fields in the MVP conversation? Uh, I think there are too many Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrows of the world to truly put him in that. But if they get off to a hot start, absolutely. Put him on the list. Wow. What's success for this team this year? They're coming off, obviously, 3-14. and 14. You think that the Lions are the best? The I do. Has to Look, offer. He, he's not the MVP if if they're only seven and ten, right? Right. I mean, they, they have to be a winning team for him to be the MVP. He's got to play the way he did last year, but the defense has got to be a heck of a lot better so they can win more games, right? We don't in this league. We, we don't give an MVP. It's not like baseball where you know years ago some guy hit forty nine home runs and we gave him the MVP on a losing team. That's not how it works. Right. No, absolutely not. But as a team, what what do you believe is a reasonable step forward for them coming from a three-win season last year? Well, everyone thinks the division is down, right? Somebody always goes worst to first. Why not them? I, I, I mean, full disclosure, I'd be surprised if they won the division. Wouldn't you guys? Yes. yes. Okay. So, But I think they should win seven, eight, or nine games. Which, if that's the case, and the math works out as it did last year in December— 
that makes you at least playing relevant football You're in at the, hunt. the end of the year You're where in the you hunt. maybe can squeeze into yeah. a wild card yeah. spot. We we think, how about two years behind the Eagles? Is Justin in the, are they in the Jalen Hurts, Philadelphia Eagles mold of not last year's Eagles, but two years ago, so you mean you know where where they made it to the wild card? They lost that first round, and they got so embarrassed, and they they still didn't know how good Hertz was, but he was better. And then Hertz took the big step, and they got to the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe, but the rest of the roster has to come along with him. I mean, Howie Roseman gets a lot of credit for stocking that team with talent. Um, the game you're referring to, I actually thought they might go down to Tampa and win. Um, I was absolutely wrong. They ran into Tom Brady and the Bucks playing at home, and that, that certainly did not happen. Look, I, I think there is another scenario here where maybe the Vikings aren't, I'm sorry, the Lions aren't ready for success, and the Vikings are kind of stuck in the middle of rebuild and still want to compete in in Kirk's last year. And maybe the division isn't nearly as good as we thought it was. I'm not saying it's NFC South 2022, right? but maybe there's kind of a rush to mediocrity there and the Bears can rise above it. Right. Who do you think the Packers will be this year? That's a great question. I mean, I, I have no idea. I, I have not seen them yet. They may have um, no idea. They, I don't know there. that they yeah. know. Yeah. I, I don't. Um, I know they have faith in Jordan. I know they also wanted to move on from the other guy. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Um, they like Jordan Love a lot. The teammates like Jordan Love a lot. Guy really hasn't played, period. Maybe he's played more than, than Trey Lance has. Right. But he hasn't played. So who knows? Yeah, that's a big question mark. Their roster is not horrible. I mean, you look at them defensively, they've got some playmakers. They've got some pieces. It just comes down to whether or not he's competent and can – he doesn't have to be Aaron. No, he they, just they, has they to two, be. They've got two good running backs. Yeah. I mean, they've got some pieces. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. You said that you uh, – okay, uh, really quick. Here's yes. one thing I want to ask you before you leave, and I know you have another Bears interview. You are a Guardians fan. Yes. I want your opinion on the Tim Anderson, Jose Ramirez. So fight. I don't know what was said. I was actually at Joe Thomas's party. I think it goes back to knocking Rokio off second base yeah. where, where Tito uh-huh. got thrown out the day before. Um, but it all really goes back to what Elvis Andrews said last year, which is you guys are going to fold up. Right, And then remember the Guardians had that yes, ridiculous comeback like in the eighth inning where they scored 10 runs and stole the White Sox soul and ended their season. There is still bad blood from that. And what do you think about the actual knockout? Down goes Anderson. <laughs> there he is. Andrew <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> That's awesome. It's Andrew Siciliano from the NFL Network. It's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. Ready for a new sports bar experience? Check out one of the newly remodeled club Hawthorne Betting Bars in Crestwood, Joliet, Villa Park, or in a dozen locations throughout Chicagoland. Find your spot at HawthorneBettingBars.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER to get help. Waddle and Sylvie are back. Are back. Follow the show on Twitter at Waddle and Sylvie and at T Waddle 87. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Wilbon's going to join us here in five minutes. I got the Cubs lineup in hand. 
Any guesses, Waddle, on who's leading off for the Cubs? Uh, leading off is going to be Talkman playing right field. Talkman is not in the lineup. Would that surprise you? Is there today? a lefty pitching for the Mets? Is that why? I don't know. I would have if I'd have checked the starting pitcher from the Mets. I may have changed. So Talkman is not in okay. the lineup. Can I go with? I'll take uh, Nikki two strikes for one hundred dollars, please. Madrigal is not in the lineup today. Wow. Okay, I will take Nico Horner. Nico Horner is batting second. I will then take Bellinger leading off in play. Bellinger is batting cleanup in center. Dansby Swanson will lead off. Dansby Swanson is batting fifth. Uh, Christopher Morrell you are correct. will lead off and play third. Christopher Morrell is uh, DHing and leading off. Okay. Morrell leading off at DH. Horner batting second at second. Hap batting third in left field. Bellinger cleaning up at center. Dansby Swanson at short. You've got Saya back in the lineup batting six. Say it's not so. In right field. Interesting betting ahead of Candelario, who is at third base. Uh, you've got Patrick Wisdom back in the lineup today at first base. Miguel Amaya doing the catching. Does Wisdom still have the mustache? I didn't see it last time. Okay. The last time he 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 played, he he did not have a mustache. No. Uh, we will talk to Michael Wilbon. Lots to discuss with Wilbon coming up next.